Well, please stand for the reading of God's Word. We are in the Sermon on the Mount, and to read the passage for us this morning, we have two of our global workers who are both serving in Asia. Ruth is going to come, as well as Shannon. Shannon is serving in Japan, Nagoya, with Brett and Taylor Rail at Christ Bible Institute, as well as along with the Martins. We're very excited for the work that God's called her to. She's going to read first, and the first verse she's actually going to read in Japanese, which is always fun for us to, to hear the Word of God read in another language. Ruth is heading back to the place God's called her. She's been here as a result of COVID. We'll be going back for a number of months, and we're grateful for both of these women and how they have responded to God's call, and that we have the privilege as their sending church to pray for them and encourage them. So ladies, thank you so much for coming and reading the Word of God for us. Hitoni miseru taneni hitomae de sango o shinae yoni kyotsukenasai sorenai to teni orareru anatagata no chichikara nukui ga ukerare masan Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them If you do you will have no reward from your father in heaven So when you get to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you get to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. <clears throat> But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, ladies. I'm very grateful. May the Lord continue to bless your ministries. This morning, as we continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount, entering into chapter 6, We're going to only focus on the first verse. Next week, we'll unpack the first illustration that Jesus uses. Jesus uses three illustrations to unpack his warning. And his warning is that we are not to do our acts of righteousness, that's good deeds, in order to be seen by others. And he uses three illustrations giving, prayer, and fasting. 
So the way it's going to unfold for us this fall is that next Sunday I'm going to talk about don't give in order to be seen by others. Then we're going to move into a season of unpacking the Lord's Prayer, which is where Jesus goes. And we're going to spend the majority of the fall moving line by line, intercession after intercession of the Lord's Prayer. And then right around Thanksgiving, we'll be looking at this part on fasting just before we go into Advent. So let me read verse 1 again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. I don't think we believe this is true. I just don't think we really live in fear that if we do our acts of righteousness before others to be seen by them, that we're not going to receive a reward from the Father. And if we don't really believe it, then we might as well just simply say Jesus was lying. I don't think we believe it because we don't take it seriously. What Jesus is saying is that if you and I do our religious acts of righteousness, good deeds, in order to be praised by another person, there's no reward. There's no reward for us. He's not saying the reward is reduced. He is not saying that it's, it's less. He is saying there is no reward from God for those who seek it from man. There's no reward from God for those who seek it from man. I know I have your attention. I didn't really need to say much more. I think this text speaks for itself. But why? Why is it that all of us seek the praise of man? This isn't something that just a few people have. We all have it. When I was being trained to preach, we went through a statement that I still use to this day. I was trained this way in 1994. It's to ask the question, what do we have in common with those two or for whom the passage is written that requires the grace of the passage? Let me say it again. What do we, the reader today, have in common with those two or four? In this case, this passage was preached. This is Jesus' sermon. What do we have in common with those who were hearing this? What do we have in common with those Jesus is speaking about that requires the grace of the passage? Well, in this time, acts of righteousness were primarily centered on three things. The giving of alms, prayer, and fasting. So Jesus uses these three illustrations to show how the Pharisees, that religious sect, were seeking to receive a reward. And the reward was the praise of man. Well, how are we like them? It's in us, and it's in deep. We know it. Let's talk about prayer first. Be honest. When you pray out loud in a small group, in a sanctuary like this, in a Sunday morning community, BSF, wherever you might be, when you're praying, are you in awe of the God you're praying to? who's omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, 
who controls the world, the universe, by a word of his power? Or are you more consumed, more in awe of what people are thinking about your prayer? How long is it? Is the language, does it sound elegant and deep? Does it sound like I'm intimate with the Lord? Are you praying with maybe one eye on God, but another eye on others listening to your prayer, even though your eyes are closed? This is what Jesus is warning. He tells us that the Pharisees, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Jesus is not condemning public prayer. He's not condemning giving that would even be seen by others. He certainly isn't condemning fasting. What he's condemning is doing those things in order to be praised by man. I learned at a very young Christian age, I became a Christian at 15, that I could receive praise of man based on gifts, based on zeal, based on all sorts of things. Here's what I mean. Freshman year, which for us, ninth grade was actually junior high. It was the last of, you know, seventh, eighth, and ninth. I was so afraid of standing in front of people, so stage fright, so unwilling to give a speech in front of any size classroom that they had to give me an independent study. I wouldn't go to the class. I wasn't going to do it. That's how shy I was, how scared I was. I became a Christian the following summer in June. Going into high school now, my life was transformed, but I wasn't transformed into a person who suddenly wanted the limelight until my Young Life leader asked me to be the speaker at the Young Life banquet. He didn't tell me much about it. He just said, I want you to tell your story. And when I got to the banquet, there were twice as many people as are in this sanctuary right now. I was scared to death until I began to speak. And I just told my story. And as I told my story, thousands of people were laughing. Thousands of people were shouting amen, just like you all do. <laughs> thousands of people were responding in a way that was making me feel good. And afterwards, they came up and told me so. I began to learn early on you can receive praise of man for being godly, or at least having the appearance of being godly. There's a reward, and it feels good. That's why the Pharisees were after it. It's not, not healthy for us not to always be looking for the sin that's underneath the sin. It's deep in us. We learn at a young age to pay attention to what other people think of us. And it can become really silly. I don't know how young I was when I really began to think about others' opinions. But I know it was pretty young. My first memory of it is when my parents bought me cowboy boots. I'm from Oklahoma. You're not the only state. We're not the only state that wears boots. And I loved them but I hated how shiny they were. And so the day I got my boots, I went out to the curb and just began to kick them up and down the curb, scuffing them up every way I could. Why? Because real cowboys don't have shiny boots. You know, 
I've done the same thing with Bibles. Deep Christians, they don't have Bibles that look like they're hardly ever read. They've got Bibles that are highlighted and underlined. Sometimes so much the words of the Bible aren't even there anymore. Now you think right now, no, people don't do that. I can't believe people would do that. Well, just keep listening. Because in a moment, I'm going to say something that other people are going to think that about you. We are so prone in small ways and big ways to seek the praise of man. It might not be having a Bible that looks all scuffed up, but you might be really proud of the translation you're reading. Oh, you're reading that New Living Translation. I'm the New American Standard. And not the new one from 2020, but the 1995. But then there's somebody out there who hears that and it's like, oh, I know Greek. And I know Hebrew. That's how I do my devotions. You think I'm joking. But in our own church, I have heard women and men promoting their Bible studies over other sisters and brothers' Bible studies because theirs is deeper, purer, more theological. Why would you say those kinds of things? Because you have, like me, an insatiable appetite to be praised by man. It can affect individuals, it certainly does, and then it can affect entire communities where even core gospel-centered churches that do things a little bit different can take pride in their differences. Could be music. Could be we wear robes. They don't. Could be all sorts of things that cause us to want the praise of man. Could be in the books we read, in the books we quote. The older the author, or the longer the author's been dead, the deeper I sound. I'm not reading that new stuff that's coming out from modern day publishers. I'm going through scrolls that you have to only find on the internet. Could be our spiritual disciplines. We just quietly let people know how early we get up or how late we stay up, how little we sleep. Could be our service, could be our knowledge, thoughts on culture, our vision for the kingdom of God. Could be hospitality. Again, let me be clear. Doing acts of righteousness is not the issue. We're called to do them. That's what the sermon has been all about up to this point. The Beatitudes, the law. But it's when we do those things in order to be seen by man, to be praised by man, that we, if doing that, will not receive the reward of the Father. And Jesus is serious. If we are frequently opening our homes to others, especially the poor, the lonely, the needy, word will likely get out. And that's okay. Dr. Doriani from Covenant Seminary says, it's no sin for the word to leak out that we are hospitable. But it is wrong to be hospitable 
so that people will discover and praise our hospitality. It's deep in us. It's insidious. It starts small, but it consumes us. And it can take over any and every aspect of our life without us even knowing. It may not be in public. You might not be standing on the corner promoting in a way where people can physically see you, but it sure might be present on your little corner of the internet where you are tagging things or saying things or showing things in hopes that you will get a lot of likes. It's insatiable. It's insidious and it's insatiable. It's quenchless. The praise of man can never be satisfied. And the reason it's insatiable is because it is. You will never receive enough praise. You will never receive enough positive feedback. You will never receive enough that would ever satisfy. The good news is, This is where the remedy exists. But first, let's talk about the reward. There's got to be a reason why the Pharisees sought this. And their reason for seeking it is the same reason we would seek it. It feels good. It makes us feel good about ourselves that other people would esteem us. But Jesus is saying at the center of that is love of self, not love of God. And so he warns us, and this is where the grace of the passage comes in. The grace of the passage is in the very warning that Jesus is giving. And the warning is stern, and it's strong, but it's also full of hope. Because what he's saying is if by his grace we are seeking to give and to pray and to fast in a way that is centered on his glory, we will receive the Father's rewards. Not just in heaven, but even now. But if we're not seeking the Father's glory and the Father's praise, we will not receive his reward. But we will receive the other. I want you to see something. Look with me. Open the text. Matthew 6 again. I want you to look with me at verse 2. He goes into the first illustration. And he says, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Now listen to this. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now Jesus is going to repeat that with each illustration. Look with me now at verse 5, the last part of verse 5. He's talking about prayer, and he's talking about the Pharisees again, who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and street corners to be seen by others. That's the sin. What does Jesus say? Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And then looking down now at verse 16, speaking of fasting, Jesus says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces 
that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, this is interesting. The word reward here in the Greek means paid in full. So, if you and I want the praise of man, if we do things to seek the praise of man, we will receive that reward. But that's it. Not God's. That's it. The praise of man. Nice prayer. Nice Bible study. You're a very hospitable person. Nice sermon. Wonderful way you counseled. You're articulate. Your zeal inspires me. If all those things are true and our motive was to seek that praise from man, paid in full, you got it. But it's insatiable. You're going to want more and more and more. And that's good news. It's good news because if you're truly in Christ, there is a point where you realize, why am I settling for the praise of man when Jesus himself has told me so clearly, if I'm seeking the praise of man and whatever I'm doing, I will not receive the heavenly Father's reward. The praise of man, it's nice. But it's insatiable and it's not eternal. The reward of the heavenly Father, it's eternal. It's perfect. It's ours in Christ. Why would I ever want this if having this means I won't have this? That's how powerful sin is. It's how seductive our enemy is. There's not a moment I open my mouth that I'm not tempted to seek the praise of man. There is not a morning I wake that I do not fight the rushing temptation to seek out the gaze of men, women, people. It's that deep, and I'm not alone. You're not alone either. But the mighty power of God the perfect grace of God, the new morning mercies from God are more powerful than any temptation that comes. And that's where the remedy lies. We see the problem 
we see the reward. The reward is paid in full if you want the praise of man. But that's all you're going to get. The reward of the Heavenly Father is everything. And that's where the remedy exists. The battle is so real for all of us, so intense, so frequent, and God knows that. But he's told us that there's no temptation that has seized us except what is common to man, and he will always provide a way out. So what's the way out? It's very, very simple. Make much of God. Do not make much of self. Don't try to solve this problem of an insatiable appetite to be praised by men. Yourself. That's the problem, you, me. Instead, make much of God. Who is he? Who is he? He's the living God. He's all-powerful, omnipotent. He's all-present, omnipresent. He's all-knowing, omniscient. Now think about that. That means that as easy as it is for you and I to fake others out, that we're really not seeking their praise but the praise of God, God always knows what our motives are. We can't fake him out. And he loves us anyway. Think about that. You can fake me out. I can fake you out. But not God. And that God, the heavenly Father, and by the way, Jesus is going to make much about the heavenly Father in Matthew 6. You'll see it in a few weeks. But we must make much of God. That's the only way that this desire to be praised by man will dissipate. Who is he? Each time Jesus speaks of this in this passage, he speaks to the Father. Verse 1, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And then the last verse printed in your bulletin, your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The reward comes from our Heavenly Father. And the Heavenly Father desires for us to receive his reward. The greatest reward is that in Christ Jesus, every time we face that temptation, because the power of the Spirit is living in us, we can stand victorious. We can hear the temptation to seek the praise of man. I can hear it from that seat to this pew. Seek the praise of man. Seek the praise of man. And in the power of the Spirit and the living God, I can say no. I only want to please God. I only want to please my Heavenly Father. That victory can happen in Christ. And when it does, it's very difficult to take credit for it. 
because we know who he is. We know of his love. You may think the Bible doesn't encourage us to seek these rewards, but that's not true. It certainly isn't a wealth, health gospel. But let me close and stay tuned. Just keep listening with a few verses. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God because whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In Mark 9, speaking of someone tending to one of the disciples, Jesus says, whoever gives you a cup will not lose his reward. In 1 Corinthians 3, Speaking of two who are going out to extend the kingdom of God, Paul writes, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his reward, his wages, according to his labor. In Colossians 3, Paul writes, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Now, I want to be clear, we're not talking about work salvation. We're not talking about works that get us into heaven. We're talking about those who are saved by God's grace, justified in Christ alone, by faith alone, having a heart now that wants to bring glory to God. And then finally, in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, listen to what Jesus says. Behold, I am coming soon bringing my recompense with me, my reward, my payment, to repay each one for what he has done. The word reward that Jesus used in his sermon meant paid in full. For those who are in Christ, we know that our debts and the wrath of the Father has been paid in full. And it's in remembering that every day, all day long, making much of God that the attraction of the praise of men diminishes. The great hymn says it so well. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth including the praise of man, including the praise of man, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Father in heaven, I know as members of your body, the church, that we understand the temptation to drink at a fountain, the fountain of man's praise that could never satisfy. I think, Jesus, of the woman at the well you met, where you said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. And then you described who you were, the living water. Lord, every time we drink at the fountain of man's praise, it's quenchless. It will never satisfy you have offered us living water. You have offered us yourself. Would you turn our eyes upon your son, Father? Would you, Holy Spirit, 
Cause us even now as we sing about you coming for sinners, poor and needy. Would you cause us to make much of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.